You're listening to PetLifeRadio.com. It's 11 o'clock at night. It's dark. You're sitting in front of the mirror getting ready for bed. There's nobody else in the house. You see something move in the corner of your eye. You glance to your right, but you don't see anything. Another minute goes by, and you think you see movement again. So you slowly turn to your left, but again, the room is empty. You turn back around, and staring you face to face in the mirror is a cat. You jump back, because you don't have a cat, and there's no cat in the room. But there he is, staring at you in the mirror. Welcome to Paranormal Pets, where you can always expect the unexpected. Each week, we'll discuss all aspects of weird or spiritual animal encounters, ghosts, totems, psychic animals, animal souls, animal angels, and animals in religion, with a little cryptozoology thrown in. Now, step into the supernatural world of pets with your Paranormal Pets ghostly host, Brandy Stark. Hello and welcome to Paranormal Pets. I am your host, Brandy Stark, and we are going to continue with our series on the yokai. I think I'm finally going to get to the kitsune. I think I've been talking about this for four episodes, or at least three others. This is the fourth. The kitsune is the supernatural spirit of the fox. So uh, we'll catch up and get going with that in just a few minutes and right after these messages. Time for something really scary. A word from our sponsors. Paranormal pets will reappear before you can say Bigfoot. Don't run away. Not pumped about cleaning the litter box? Try World's Best Cat Litter Zero Mess, the litter that gives you two times better clumping and more odor control with less litter. That's right, you scoop once and you're done. No chiseling, no scraping, no crumbling, no problem. Looking for fast and easy litter box cleanup? Zero Mess. Try it. You're welcome in advance. Save $2 on World's Best Cat Litter. Visit www.saveonworldsbest.com. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. Did you hear that? Our commercials have mysteriously disappeared. Paranormal Pets is back with our haunted host, our ghost host, Brandy Stark. Hello and welcome to Paranormal Pets. I am your host, Brandy Stark, at least as far as I know. The pugs are awake at present, so hopefully we will not have another snoring incident. But uh, it is uh, 4.30 in the morning. I probably should not be awake, but uh, I'm up because they're up. If my elder decides that he has to go out and go potty, then we're all getting up to go out and go potty. As you can hear in the background, that is Penelope playing with Grace. Penelope the Puggle remains an enigma. She's a lovely little thing, but I can definitely tell there's a little beagle in her. She still has a snout and a long neck. And it's kind of weird because folks are like, oh, she's gorgeous. And I'm, I don't know. I look at her. I think she's a beautiful dog. And see, that's the problem. Pugs are not dogs. Pugs are small, slightly misshapen people. And they have these awesome profiles. And they're so distinctive. And uh, I have to explain the puggle. 
So I, I just am getting used to that. She is half pug, but the beagle definitely shows in her. But she's still a good girl. Maybe. I'm not sure, depending on the day, the time, and what I'm trying to get done. So as we kind of continue through, I was actually thinking about this this morning as I was feeding everyone, but 2016 is drawing to a close, and it's been a it's been a year. <laughs> I find it very interesting because almost everybody that I've spoken with and that I've met and I myself, we're all just tired. 2016 has been exhausting. It's not been a really good year. Now, I tend to be an odd year person anyway. Odd people like odd years. But uh, ladies, stop that, sorry. <laughs> Sisters. Anyway, 2016, it just has left people really, really tired. The artist community, I kind of get the same feel. I know personally, for me, it was kind of this series of, you know, back and forth within the same week, sometimes the same day, you would have these phenomenal events, these wonderful things like being accepted to show at the Dolly or having a, a piece accepted. I have a piece right now at Amelie Arena which is down in Tampa. It's where they, the lightning play. They had over 400 entries. They accepted 41. This year, I decided to experiment with photography. I have some shots of flamingos, of all things, but they're very unusual images. There's a very cooperative flamingo over here at uh, Sunken Gardens, which is within walking distance. And I'll be darned. I've been doing, I think they're 18 by 24 inch size photos, prints of these, and uh, it got in. But I think the art is the only thing that's moved for me this year. And that's that in and of itself is weird. I was cleaning up the art studio since 2010. I guess I've gotten about 14 ribbons for my art. Seven of those ribbons came from the second half of 2016. Now, it's not as impressive as it sounds because four, excuse me, five of them are merit and honorable mentions. But quite frankly, that's more than I've gotten. <laughs> so it's just been weird. The election, we won't talk about. Even with work, things have been, you know, just very unusual. Things that you wouldn't see coming, happening, and I don't know. I hope 2017 is a better year. Uh, my numerologist friends tell me that 2016 on whole was a nine year and that 2017 will be a one year. So apparently what this means is nine is the end closure and moving to something else, whereas a one year is new beginnings. And based on everything that I've seen, uh, there are going to be a lot of new beginnings. I just hope they're good. So it's, it's really wild. This particular winter break, uh, my mother actually did get me yoga slash meditation, a pass for a one month, unlimited classes and all of this uh, at our local St. Pete Yoga Studio. And that's been interesting. I have discovered that, wow, I really am pretty tense. I, I, this is as relaxed as I get. And uh, trying to do some of these yoga moves, I just, I don't realize how tightly wound I am, I guess, typically. My New Year's resolution, hopefully for 2017, this was another thing that 2016 was kind of a blow to me, was uh, I'd hoped to have my thesis finished this fall. Uh, now, granted, this is a third graduate degree. It doesn't really do me much of any good overall, career-wise, although third master's, I got a PhD. It'll be, I think, my sixth or seventh degree at this point. You know, it's, that's not bad, but fall is notoriously busy, and... Um, then they altered the due dates for everything. So I had planned for a month later, and the university actually pushed all of the due dates that semester 
back by I think five or six weeks so there's just no way so please keep your fingers crossed this thesis is on the dance macabre des femmes as a form of proto-feminism 2016 was so unstable I just I don't know I just didn't have the energy I've never not had the energy to finish research and get this into a paper it, it's just been a tough year so as we move into the cusp of 2017 uh, let us hope that there is some more excitement and some more fun and some more good things that come along. Just things to ponder as we move into this last week. So that was more of an aside than I had intended, but uh, let's go ahead and take a look at the yokai. And uh, yokai are kind of interesting items, uh, in case you are curious. Uh, if you have not listened to the prior three episodes, I'll just give you a quick recap. I was teaching a course with another professor uh, it's an interdisciplinary course, which personally, they're one of my favorites to teach. If you are in college or if you know anyone in college and they have a, an IDS or interdisciplinary program, please try to advise that person to check into it. Uh, interdisciplinary means that you have two or more disciplines mixed together. And I will tell you that when I was in college, actually at that point it was a junior college. It became a college later because I am that old now. But I was accepted into the IDS program. It was considered an honors program at that time. And they actually offered nine credit courses. This one was a six credit, meaning two classes. The ones that I had taken for a year and a half were nine credits. And they were long. They were like five hours twice a week. But you got credit for three classes. And uh, I will tell you that that IDS course, Ancient Humanities, was part of it. And that actually is what inspired me to get my classics degree, which inspired me to go into religious studies and the humanities. So I owe a lot to this program. So it's, it's delightful when I get to teach in it, right? So it was a combination here of Intro to Humanities, which the state of Florida has mandated for students. I think everybody has to take this now and Comp 1, Composition 1. And my co-professor, I have a bit of a harder time with an intro class on the college level. I understand it, I understand the need for it, but it just, to me, it's incredibly sad that students are coming up now and they're so indoctrinated in STEM, but that they're not coming in with the knowledge of the humanities and the arts like they should. And regardless of how you feel, I don't care what subject matter you're in, the humanities is, you know, it's the study of human beings, for heaven's sakes. I mean, it's us. It does show you cultural connections in history. The more I have studied the humanities, the more I do believe we are archetypes, each one of us. Maybe we are all doing the hero's journey, both male and female. The backdrop changes, but the journey does not. Our tools may change but the basic questions are the same. So my co-professor said, well, you know, let's do something that might be really fun with this. Let's find a lens that will really work and that we can advance and elevate some of the thoughts and the thinking processes through these classes. So we came up with a, a kind of a man, myth, and monsters or man, myth, and magic type of a theme. And I mean, it's fantastic. It is a class that is so much fun to teach. So at the end of the semester, the students had to do a group project and they had to pick something that was supernatural, non-Western, and work through the humanities and comp, you know, in, in creating kind of these papers and these ideologies, this presentation. And so from this, one group chose the yokai, which the yokai are still very hard to define. They're a very difficult subject, primarily because they are so expansive. 
yokai again encompass things from urban legends to ghosts to animal spirits or indigenous culture. I mean, you do get a little bit of the very Japanese-ness, right, of Shinto. They also represent moments between time, the unexplainable, the sensations of the unexplained. Uh, again, one of my very favorites is the plaster wall yokai. The thing that when you hit that point of pure exhaustion and you just can't take another step, that's a yokai. And it shows up like a brick wall, which I'm like, yes, I understand that. So they did this project on the yokai and it was pretty cool. They focused mostly on the human yokai. And of course, the student at the end said, well, why don't you get this book? And I did. It is uh, the Book of Yokai, which we'll be addressing shortly. And here we are. It had so many animals that I thought, you know, I can do like all of 2017 with the yokai. So what I find are kind of interesting, and just to give you an example of how this works, this I actually did post on Facebook. There's a Spirits of St. Petersburg page on Facebook. So last night I felt certain that I was being watched. Yes, and this actually did happen. This was last night, literally last night. I woke up uh, about 4.30 in the morning, there we go, and um, uh, got the pugs out, went back to bed. It was probably about, you know, uh, moving into five-ish. And I just kept feeling like there was somebody out in the hallway staring into my bedroom, which, you know, a little creepy. There was no response from the pugs, and I'm thinking, well, if they're making it past the pugs and a puggle, then, uh, you know, it's just you. It's just me, essentially. It's my imagination. But, I mean, this persisted for a good 10, 15 minutes. I couldn't even get to sleep. Uh, I kind of felt like it was in the doorway, and I thought, okay, look, you study the supernatural. You are on break, but who knows? Your sleep schedule's off, and, you know, my natural sleeping tendencies are like 2 a.m. to 10 a.m. Unfortunately, work says, yeah, no, <laughs> you kind of need to be here in the morning. So when I'm on break, I mean, I shift right back to my, you know, my 2 to 10. And uh, so, you know, maybe you're just exhausted. But anyway, I ended up getting my Kindle and actually turning it on just to have some extra light in there because, as you know, light wards off anything that's supernatural, which I'm, I'm being facetious here, but yes, okay. So anyway, what does this lead to? Well, I've been reading my book on yokai. And actually, the next day when I went to read more on this book, here was this entry. There are a few cool yokai associated with the house. The first is the yonari. The yonari is responsible for making house sounds. The yonari refers to the unexplained sounds within a house, the kind of phenomena often called a poltergeist today. They would be heard through the rattling of a fusama and toshi screens and other mysterious noises at night. The next kind actually directly applies to my situation, and it is called the makamukuren, the eyes everywhere yokai. The description in the book is you are not alone, but have an unshakable sense that somebody or something is watching you. Such an eerie phenomena, the feeling of being watched, was translated to the Makumokuren. This seems to be particularly relevant as an image for today's global surveillance society. The notion of eyes embedded within the soji of the house can be thought of as a visualization of the eyes of society, the eyes of all those people around you watching and evaluating your behavior. Being in education, unfortunately, that is something that's really reinforced, both as an educator and as one being educated. Part of my, my stumbling with the thesis, which I mentioned earlier, this is a, num well, yeah, I think six, seven, seven, seventh degree. It is postdoctorate. And uh, it's, it's getting really, really hard to continuously be judged 
it does feel like you're being watched. And uh, education really does reinforce this notion. So I just thought that was a really interesting entry, particularly with my experience. Now, again, Pugs went to bed. And they're like, whatever, lady, good luck. So I figured eventually, uh, I thought I was okay. Nothing happened further. Kindle went out, and so did I. You know, finally got to sleep. But this is kind of that idea of the yokai. A couple of the other yokai that exist within houses include things called the scum sucker, the yokai that licks up the scum in the bathtub. So this would actually fall to kind of an urban moral lesson yokai. This is why they are so unusual, so difficult to define, because the urban legend or the urban lesson yokai would be something like, you should keep your house clean, because if you don't, this creepy, ugly creature no offense if you're in here, Yokai, is going to come in and will lick your bathtub. If you are not taking care of things, something else will do it for you, and you don't want this to happen. And there is yet another Yokai, which I found fascinating, called the ceiling licker. Uh, if you have a room in your house that is supernaturally cold, no matter what time of day, it's always dark and cold, and that is something that is reported often with cases. Uh, there's a room that's always cold and you feel very eerie in it. Now, usually this is a, an architectural element. Uh, it's under a tree. It's central to the house. Uh, you know, there's something that you can explain. But these rooms often tend to be fairly creepy. I know my mother's house had one for many years. Uh, it was the study where the computer was. And when I lived at home, that was, that was pretty eerie because I would work in there and after a while, now it does turn out, by the way, that computers do mesmerize to a certain extent. We stare at these screens and they actually mesmerize us and they do create uh, heightened sensations. There we go, paranoia, the feeling of being watched, etc. But uh, it was worse in that room. You know, it was always so cold and it just didn't feel like the rest of the house. All very subjective, but perhaps part of a psychological state. But the ceiling liquor is supposedly responsible for that. It means it's dwelling in that room. Now, there is no real urban lesson here, but it is an explanation for that eerie sensation that you get in that room. It is called a ceiling liquor because it's an Another unusual looking yokai that kind of floats in the air and has this prolonged tongue and a very skinny body with kind of this spiky hair, but it has this tongue that goes up and licks the ceiling and that's what creates stains on your ceiling. In Florida, usually stains on your ceiling are gonna probably come from mold or your air conditioning system. Uh, in fact, when I moved into this house, I did have to have some of the ceiling repaired because the ducts were not sealed appropriately and some of the water had leaked through. So I think maybe this was actually a ceiling liquor after all. So now that I've kind of given you a little background, what we're gonna do is we're gonna take a break and when we get back, we are going to look at one of the supernatural elements of the yokai in the form of the spirit fox. If you've watched anime, the spirit fox will show up. Older anime series, because I like the old stuff a little bit better, but things like Inuyasha, you know, where you have uh, the son of the demon dog, right, who's very much associated with the moon, which is kind of interesting. But Inuyasha, when the moon is new, he is fully human, but during the rest of the month, he actually exhibits features of a the son of a demon dog, essentially this supernatural dog figure. Now, dogs happily in the yokai world are friendly, and they're usually something that protects us. The foxes can be tricksters. They oftentimes are shapeshifters. But he did have a little fellow that came along with him, who was kind of an orphaned kitsune creature. Uh, Naruto is another one where you have a nine-tailed fox that reincarnates into the form of a human. So some kind of cool stories here. But we will kind of pick up with that, as promised, right after these messages. We'll be right back. 
Now, time for something really scary. A word from our sponsors. Paranormal pets will reappear before you can say Bigfoot. Don't run away. They called it elephant skin. It was rough, wrinkly, like a Brillo pad. His hair was falling out in clumps. Petey stopped eating and all his hair fell out. Our golden retriever, Sundance, scratched incessantly. There was hair all over. D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E dot com. 859-428-1000. The omega-3 fatty acids. Flaxseed, zinc, alfalfa. The digestive enzymes that are cooked out of regular dog food. Dynavite is nutrition. Within two weeks, the shedding slowed down to almost none. The scratching went away after a few days and... Sundance's coat was starting to get shiny and glossy. It's a 180 turnaround. His skin has cleared up. He is not in pain. If your dog has shedding, dry skin, excessive scratching due to Dynavite. 859-428-1000. 859-428-1000. Dynavite for life. D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E dot com. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com Did you hear that? Our commercials have mysteriously disappeared. Paranormal Pets is back with our haunted host, our ghost host, Brandy Stark. And welcome back. We are going to take a look at the Kitsune, the Fox Spirit. Yay, finally! I do know, I think the next episode I may look at water spirits, like the kappa, maybe. And then I do want to try and do an episode on human-faced animals, because they do show up in the yokai. So, um, you know, we've got some thoughts going here, but for right now, we're doing the fire fox. (laughs) The fox fire, either way. So the fox spirit. The kitsune, or fox, is one of the most famous yokai in Japan. And the Book of Yokai, The Mysterious Creatures of Japanese Folklore, which you can get on Amazon, both Kindle and a hard copy. This comes from the University of California, and it's, it's been a very good book. But it does say that it's one of the most fascinating of the yokai that has most translated and most fascinated people outside of the country. Although kitsune is the most common generic term for the yokai, fox-like creatures are also known by different regional names, including ninko, Osagitsune, Katagitsune, and Nogitsune. And my pronunciations, I apologize. That's the best I can do. The Kitsune is a multi-talented yokai, and it does appear in local folklore, local records, literary texts, theatrical performances, and contemporary pop culture. It can be a dangerous shapeshifter, and it can possess people, but it is also a standard feature of Inari worship, and stone statues of kitsune are stationed at shrines throughout the country. With so many different incarnations and meanings, it is fair to say that in Japan today, the kitsune, a charming and cunning deceiver that emanates an aura of danger and malevolence, is admired, worshipped, and feared. Many early Japanese tales of kitsune can be traced back to China, where the creature was also known for its shape-shifting talents, most notoriously taking on the guise of beautiful, seductive women. Now, I will insert here that uh, Naruto, if you watch that series... When he was a child uh, and he was taken in finally, his parents pass on, he's taken in by kind of a ninja clan, but it is fairly interesting because he has, I think he calls it sexy jutsu or sex jutsu, something like that. 
the ninja clans all have special talents. And uh, so you have the Leaf Village that has, you know, certain skill sets. Certain people from different villages have different skill sets, and some of them have these supernatural powers. And Naruto was learning, you know, kind of the illusion or the trickster element of uh, ninjutsu, creating illusions and shadow doubles. And one thing that he could do was to make himself look like an adult female version of himself with long flowing blonde hair and very buxom and very curvaceous, always with a little wisp of smoke that covered certain areas of the nude body. So I do find that kind of interesting that the anime ties in right here to the beautiful seductive women. I think he did call it something like sexy jutsu or something like that. Some of these tales were told in highly literary forms and came to Japan in written texts. In China, the word huli, a combination of kanji for kitsune and tanuki, generally indicates a fox. In Japan, the same kanji compound pronounced kori refers to all sorts of supernatural and troublesome occurrences and includes takune as one of the culprits. In Japan, kitsune and tanuki are both famous for their ability to shapeshift and deceive others. Tanuki tend to be comical and less adept at their deceptions. Kitsune appear to be more serious about their performances and their abilities are better honed. Both creatures are members of the Candide family. The folkloric characteristics of the Kitsune, like those of the Tanuki, reflect its zoological traits as a creature that can live on the edge of human society, visible one moment and gone the next. The most common fox in Japan is the red fox, Volpes Volpes, which is also the most widely distributed carnivore in the world. Kitsune are mentioned in the earliest Japanese texts, such as the ooh, Nihoshoki, uh, where they seem to appear as omens, either good or bad. But they have also been turning into beautiful women and attracting men since at least the 9th century, when one such affair was recorded in a Setsuwa collection called Miraculous Stories. A man met a pretty and responsive girl, married her, and had a son. Around the same time, their dog gave birth to a puppy, which insisted on barking at the wife. One day it startled her, and terrified, she suddenly changed into a wild fox and jumped on top of the hedge. In, this, in the end, the couple is forced to separate, but their love remains strong, and the wife comes every night to sleep with the man. And from this, the text explains we get the word kitsune, to come kitsu and sleep, nay. The etymology offered here is not generally taken seriously today, but such narratives of faithful and caring foxwives are found throughout Japanese history, some more embellished than others. One from the tales of times now past is particularly elaborate. The year is 896, and a man named Kaya no Yoshifuji, who lives in the village of Ashimori in the Bichu province, is left to his own devices when his wife went up to the capital, leaving him all alone. He was far too randy a fellow to stand this for long. One evening at twilight, he went out for a stroll when he spotted a lovely young girl he had not seen before, and he wanted her right away. She tried to run, but when he grabbed at her, he caught her and asked who she was. Very sweetly, she answered nobody. Eventually, Yoshifuji goes back with the girl to her house, an attractive home filled with servants. That evening, they sleep together. He was so taken with her that he forgot about his wife. As for his house and children, he never gave them a thought. He and the girl pledged each other eternal love. His new wife was soon pregnant and gave birth, and he had not a care in the world. Meanwhile, back at his human household, Yushifuji's disappearance caused a great commotion and a thorough search is undertaken, but to no avail. His family reads Buddha sutras and even carves an image of the 11-headed cannon. The narrative then cuts back to Yoshifuji's new home, where a man with a stick suddenly appears. The new family runs away in terror, and this man pokes at Yoshifuji, forcing him out of a narrow passageway. 
This was the 13th evening after Yoshifuji's disappearance. The people at his old home were still shaking their heads over what happened when a strange monkey-like creature crawled out from under the storehouse nearby. What could this be? Through the jabber of excited onlookers came a voice saying, It's me. It was Yoshifuji. Yoshifuji explains about his wonderful new life and his new child. A servant is sent to investigate the storehouse and the foxes run off in every direction. Although there is little space under the storehouse, that was where this man had been. Obviously, a fox had tricked him. He had married the fox and was no longer in his right mind. His 13 days in the vulpine otherworld had seemed like 13 years to him. So in this case, then, foxes are kind of liminal state beings. I would assume that being under the storehouse is um, essentially it's between worlds, if you think about it, between the very human world and between the natural world. And so time is very much suspended, and that is not unusual for the supernatural world. The monk is summoned to pray for him and to exorcise him, and he is bathed over and over, and he finally became himself and was horribly embarrassed by the whole incident. But he lived on in good health for another decade and died in his 61st year. Another famous example was the story of Abe no Yashuna, father of the great Abe no Seme. Seme? Hmm. Yashuna was said to have married a white fox called Kazunoha, the legend appears at least as early as 1662 in a written work called Abe no Seme Monogatari, the tale of Abe no Seme, but it garnered great popularity throughout its later dramatization in both puppet theater and kabuki. The most famous scene in the kabuki version is the Henshin transformation in which an actor performs a quick change from human to fox, a stunt that not only flaunted an actor's skill, and the special effects of Kabuki, but also played off the Kitsune's notorious shape-shifting powers. Tales of fox wives were collected as late as the 20th century. There's actually one tale that says uh, a man went to get his wife and discovered that she had doubled. There were two of her in the room. They looked indistinguishable. He could not decide which was the real one. He asked all sorts of questions, which they could both answer. And finally, he thought one of them was not just quite right, so he shooed her away and kept the other woman. In the years that followed, the household prospered and she gave birth to two boys. One day, the boys were playing hide-and-seek and noticed their mother had a tail. <laughs> Whoops, selected the wrong wife. Now that her true nature had been discovered, the fox wife could no longer stay with the family. However, she did help the family out by making the rice fields appear that there was no rice. So when the tax collector came, he would not charge them because essentially it was an agrarian society. But when they brought the stalks inside, there was rice on them in the house. So they were able to sell this without taxes, without having to pay taxes, and they made a bundle of money. Kitsune are connected with the worship of Inari, the kami of rice fields. And actually, my mother has a, a sculpture of this, uh, of the god of rice. He's a cute little chubby guy. Depending on the time and place, Inari had also been associated with farming, fishing, fertility, prostitution, and even warfare. Inari worship was in some form, has probably existed since the Nara period, but it was not until the 11th century or later that foxes became linked with it, and not until the Edo period that Inari shrines proliferated throughout the country. According to some statistics, they might be 40,000 of them today. It is not a deity itself, but the messenger or the attendant of Inari. So sometimes you will actually find stone foxes standing with the Inari shrines in Japan. Interestingly enough, Kitsune could possess you. If you were possessed by a fox spirit, you had Kitsune Tsuki, fox possession. There are a couple of interesting stories here where they actually say you had to exercise this fox spirit. 
Once someone in a certain house was possessed by a spirit, and when he had been transferred to a medium, it spoke through her and as follows, I am no evil spirit, only a fox who happened to come wandering by. I have a young family at home in my den who are hungry, so I came in here because it seemed to me that this place would have food. Please give me a feed of rice cakes and I'll go. The place had rice cakes made and offered a tray to the girl who ate her a few and said how delicious they were. She only pretended it was a fox possessing her because she wanted some rice cakes, grumbled the onlookers. The spirit then spoke again. Will you please let me have some paper so I can wrap this up and take it home for the old lady and my children to eat? A large parcel of rice cakes was wrapped into two pieces of paper and the girl stuffed it down inside of her dress with the end sticking out by her chest. Now she said to the exorcist, drive me out and I'll go away. Out, out, he cried, and the girl stood up, after which she fell flat on her face. She got up and the parcel in her dress was missing. So I guess the idea is that the fox spirit took it with. Oh, this is kind of a fun story. There was a man who was possessed. A monk was trying to exorcise him, and as long as he chanted certain prayers, the man was sane, but as soon as he stopped, the possession happened again. Eventually, the patient died, and a year later, one of the monk's own disciples is lying sick in the same room. A visitor comes to see the monk and happens to tie his dog to a post. The monk sees the dog struggling hard against its chain and tells the visitors to set it free. The dog ran into the room and came back out with the fox in its mouth. Although the visitor tried to restrain the dog, it would not release the fox, but bit it to death. It was evident that the dead person had been reborn as a dog to take revenge on the fox. So the man who was possessed by the fox spirit and died from this possession was reincarnated into a dog, came back, and killed the fox that possessed it. That is a cool story. If you were possessed by a kitsizuke type possession, you would eat gravel, ashes, hair, or combs, wander the mountains and fields making piles of stones, jump into rivers, or run into the mountains. There's a very famous Western man who moves to Japan. His last name is Hearn, and he says, Strange is the madness of those into whom the demon foxes enter. Sometimes they run naked, shouting through the streets. Sometimes they lie and froth at the mouth and yelp as a fox yelps. This phenomena still exists today, and interestingly enough, and I do remember this when I was doing my research on werewolves, it does connect somewhat to a lycanthropy. This is called allopacanthropy. Worldwide, uh, you have the belief of people who, for example, if you think about the werewolf, you're bitten by a wolf and you, you become the wolf. Through that bite, the spirit of the wolf is transferred. That story more or less persists in movies, such as uh, Twilight and the Twilight series. The spirit of the wolf goes to this ancestor spirit, uh, I think, what was his name, Tikiana, something like that, who transfers, Takiani, maybe? I don't know. Who transfers this DNA, this altered DNA to his descendants who become wolves. So it kind of reminds me a little bit of this notion of possession. We do have records of people acting like animals throughout history. Even uh, a nephew of Justinian would go through the palace meowing like a kitten. It does seem to be a form of affliction in which the individual identifies with an animal nature, which is kind of interesting. So I think what we'll do is stop here because this is getting to be a really long episode. And we will pick up with a little bit on the foxes, and uh, I might tie in one more story, one more yokai, and then hopefully we'll finish that. We will do that next episode. So I hope for you and yours as we're moving through 2017 that it is a better year for you at this point, and uh, hopefully it's a better year for me at this point too. Please support your local animal rescues, local shelters, Pub Rescue of Florida, any rodent rescues that you might know. 
If you would like to learn more about supernatural phenomena, feel free to check out the Spirits of St. Petersburg. We do have a Facebook page. We have a website, spiritsofstpetersburg.com or sppipinellas.net. Uh, they will take you to the same site. Feel free to like our Paranormal Pets Facebook page. I believe you can search for it and it should come up. And with that, I will wish you some happy hauntings and we will catch you next episode. Take care. Pet Life Radio presents Paranormal Pets, where you can always expect the unexpected. Each week we'll discuss all aspects of weird or spiritual animal encounters, ghosts, totems, psychic animals, animal souls, animal angels, and animals in religion, with a little cryptozoology thrown in. Step into the supernatural world of pets every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.